Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to a special edition of Chopper's Politics, your weekly wander through Westminster and beyond. As you can already tell, I am not Associate Editor Christopher Hope, who is resting up in bed with his first bout of COVID, but Associate Editor Camilla Tomini. They say a week's a long time in politics, but for Joris Johnson, the last 24 hours must have felt like an eternity. A bruising PMQs, a blistering liaison committee, and over 50 ministerial resignations, the most in modern history. To unpack the latest news and analysis and to try to understand what's next, I'm joined in the studio with Associate Editor Gordon Rayner, and down the line with Telegraph leader writer Tim Stanley. And the latest update, Boris Johnson will be resigning today. Well, what a 24 hours it's been, chaps. Gordon, perhaps you'd like to sum up what's been happening uh, since yesterday. Uh, well, what a 48 hours. Um, and uh, how long have we got? Is this a, th- a three-hour podcast? Sadly or, uh... not. Okay, Just a fine. quick a quick summation, okay. I think, is probably in order. Well, uh, obviously, we started off with uh, Rishi Sunak uh, and Sajid Javid um, resigning within minutes of each other on Tuesday night. Um, There was about another 10 or 12 ministers followed them that day. Um, Boris Johnson didn't take the hint. Uh, He had a quick reshuffle and made Nadim Zahawi his chancellor and Michelle Donnellan, education secretary. Um, that wasn't um, that wasn't enough uh, for um, most of the uh, the well a lot of the government uh, and another several dozen people resigned over the course of Wednesday. Um, I think at the latest count were were above fifty um, ministerial resignations. We had the um, extraordinary um, sight of a delegation of cabinet ministers going into Downing Street on Wednesday afternoon to tell Boris Johnson it was time to go, uh, which um, I think. But he still dug dug in, even last night. That's the astonishing thing about it. The precedent for that is that that's the point at which you go. Uh, But no, um, Boris plays by different rules. Um, He decided he was going to dig in. Uh, Rather than resigning himself, he sacked Michael Gove. Um, Downing Street started briefing that Michael Gove was a snake. Yes. uh, In an extraordinarily (laughs) aggressive move. Uh, And then uh, this morning, Thursday, we've had yet more resignations. Uh, Brandon Lewis, uh, we think, has resigned as Northern Ireland Secretary, although he seems to be unsure as to whether his resignation has been accepted. Not sure how that works. Zahawi, because his letter was, you must go, but he didn't Mm. necessarily say he would, although Donnellan has gone as Education Secretary. Let me just bring in Tim now. Tim, what, what... how do you explain the psychology behind this bunker mentality from Boris Johnson? He's gone the way I would have gone. I, I would have I would have stayed and fought. I, I, I almost admire it. How do you explain it? Uh, well, first of all, he has never had a close relationship with the parliamentary party. Uh, he has always been regarded as an outsider. Uh, he's already had a confidence vote. He already knew how many of them disliked him. Um, his... Probably he probably genuinely felt he had done nothing wrong over the Pincher story, or at least that his his actions were being misconstrued. And he saw himself as having a, a mandate handed over by the election that he had to fulfil, uh, that he had a responsibility to fulfil, and that he had a right constitutionally to try to see if he could form a new government. I mean, there's also 
rumors that he, he felt Rishi Sunak was actually holding him back. So those initial resignations of Javid and Sunak mm. might even in some perverse way have been welcomed by him. I know, but when it became a deluge, Tim, there was this sense that it wasn't going to be um, by design. It was going to be by default. He wasn't able to run a government with half of the key figures missing. Yeah, precisely. But consider that it's all been squeezed into a short period of time. Imagine all that's happening very, very fast. And you yourself can't possibly keep track of how many people are resigning. I mean, people were resigning faster than we could Google their names. Yes. Um, So (laughs) imagine if you're right in the center of all of that. It is like a wartime situation in which everything's developing very, very fast. You probably want space to think and to breathe and you don't have it. So it's actually the night's sleep. When is he gone? He's gone after he went to bed, had a night's sleep, got up in the morning and realised he couldn't go on with this. Yes. But look, I understand why the people went. I think if I'd been in the cabinet, I would have gone. But equally, this man has never played by the rules, as Gordon said. uh, And he thought he would try and make it work. He would give it a go. Gordon, we're recording this around, we think, an hour or so before the Prime Minister's due to give his statement. Mm. Is it too late for a dignified exit, do you think, now? Well, he clearly thinks not, um, but uh, I suspect that it, it probably is too late because I think that the um, the party uh, may well not tolerate the idea of him staying on until October, which is when he uh, has said he will go. Mm. Now, he can say, I need to give the party that time to elect a, a new leader. That is a fair argument. Um but if the party has any sense, it will it will get on with electing a new leader much quicker than that. Well, it's an extraordinarily long amount of time. I think mm. Theresa May was around for six weeks and she was able to blame sort of, you know, the referendum and Brexit and the fact that she was in the middle of EU negotiations mm. for continuing her tenure. Yeah. Churchill, uh, Boris Johnson's hero, second term, he left in a day. He announced on April the 5th and left on April the 6th. Tim, can he hold on until autumn? No, I, I think that's actually mad. I, I, I think that the 72 hours of of your government falling apart and trying to piece it together, I, I think makes some, I, I can understand the thought process. The idea that having burnt down the building, you're then going to be invited to be the caretaker of the ruins is absolutely preposterous. He has he has upset so many people, he's destroyed any relationships and any goodwill. Uh, it's not clear even that people would agree to serve with him. I mean, just to go back to my point about uh, Boris being different from all other politicians, don't forget, People were trying to send this man to prison three years ago when he prorogued Parliament and when he tried to get Brexit done and had to break all the usual conventions to do it. He is used to being able to break the rules. But I think the idea that having having made that gamble and having destroyed so many careers, ruined so many reputations, including his own, that the party is then going to say, we'll let you have a swan song is absurd. Of mm. course, the reason why he's doing it is Ukraine. I suspect that'll be in the back of his mind. Yes. That the one definite concrete policy achievement of Johnsonism in the last year is Ukraine. And he's probably very reluctant to give up his international leadership on that issue. But Gordon, we've got a problem here, though, haven't we? Because even those Tories pushing for him to go are concerned that the quality of the candidates to replace him simply aren't good enough. I mean, Zahawi has been criticised, not least in our newspaper. Juliet Samuel wrote a really good piece headlined what on earth were you thinking he may have blown his chances we've got Rishi Sunak tainted by the non-dom scandal we've got trust well she was up in the air yesterday we don't really know where she is she's trying to reincarnate herself as the love child of Nigel Farage and Margaret Thatcher there will be some conservatives thinking have we made a dreadful mistake well 
I think that there will be a lot of Conservatives who will think that almost anyone would do a better job, um, given the the situation we find ourselves in now, and they find themselves in now. Um, you're right. I mean, I was talking to a, um, a former cabinet minister um, at the weekend before all this happened, and we were inevitably talking about who might be the next leader. And uh, this person said, well, um, none of them. I don't like any of them. Uh, and I said, well, you have to have somebody. And they, they they were saying, well, maybe by the autumn it will become more clear who the best candidate would be. Well, we, we probably don't. I mean, they, they were talking about November, but we don't have until November. Um, so somebody's going to have to emerge from the pack. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people will see Rishi Sunak as the... Um, the obvious choice because uh, he has the requisite experience. Um, but uh, obviously, as you say, the, the green card issue, the non-DOM was hugely damaging for him. It's really a question of whether enough time has passed since that uh, for the party and the public to forgive him. Mm. Um, if it's not him, then it's going to be somebody who has little experience, I suspect. But also, Tim, isn't Sunak tainted by this high tax and spend a policy that he's been pushing at the Treasury. I mean, Conservatives are crying out for somebody to be much more Thatcherite, to push for growth and to slash corporation tax in the first instance. So this is, this is the thing. Are we talking here about a choice among MPs, what MPs want? Or are we talking about what the Conservative Party would want? Or are we talking about what the public would want? Um, and, and I think Sunak is very much the candidates of, of what MPs might say. He's what I can tolerate and he's got the experience. But actually his reputation... And you're quite right, has been tarred not just by his, uh, not, not just by the allegations against him, but also uh, by the fact that he has, he, he is the architect of the stuff which has made Boris Johnson so unpopular among the grassroots. I mean, that, that's one reason why Johnson eventually had to fall, by the way. He didn't just alienate Parliament, he lost his own constituency. Um, and you can't be a populist, you, you, can't, you can't say, I have an authority beyond Parliament if you no longer do, because you follow policies which have alienated those people. So that, that was his problem. But people always traditionally say, look, it's got to be a candidate from inside cabinet. Well, cabinet is practically empty right now. I mean, yes. that's exaggeration, but cabinet's been blown up. There is no cabinet government anymore. It's not been functioning for the last 72 hours. So I think it's not unreasonable to say, cast your net wider, look beyond the cabinet. Well, look at people like Tom Tugendhat, look at yes. Penny Mordaunt. There are candidate. There is a wider field out there beyond people who, in the last seventy-two hours, have been tainted. Yes. In many cases, whether they resigned or not. Well, the only person so far to have put their head above the parapet is Suella Braverman. Um, she's publicly announced her interest this morning. I think that came on the back of a um, last night appearance, wasn't it, on Peston, where she mm. said she wanted to um, stand. Now, obviously, she's got these quite considerable Brexit credentials because she's a former chairwoman of the ERG. Gordon, how important is it for the successor to be a lever? Do you think? Uh, I think it. I think it is important. Uh, I think that. Um, you know, Jeremy Hunt will probably try and run again, but I, I do think uh, the fact that he is, uh, you know, a, a non-believer in, or certainly was a non-believer in Brexit, would be um, a, a fatal flaw in yeah. uh, in his campaign. His I popularity think, tanked in those comments. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I think um, look, there's a lot of people who are who are um, cross that they don't feel like the Tories have um, been able to show the benefits of Brexit so far. Yes. Um, and they need to do that. And if and it's unlikely to be somebody who didn't vote for it in the first place, who um, who they think uh, is the person who can achieve that. I have to say, um, to pick up on Tim's point about looking outside the cabinet, um, if you look historically, the Tories have never replaced a 
uh, a sitting Prime Minister with anyone who wasn't either Foreign Secretary, Home Secretary or Chancellor, or had been anyway, mm. um, going right back to Macmillan and I think even before. Um, so it, it doesn't feel to me as if they're going to as if they're going to take a gamble on somebody who's completely untested. Right. So Steve Baker might have to hold fire on printing the campaign leaflets. However, a lot of talk around Penny Mordaunt, Tim. Can you fathom that? I don't know why. I, I, and someone will have to explain this. I've never understood it. It's a bit like Game of Thrones to me. I've never seen it. I don't mm. understand what people see in it, but people talk about it all the time. And likewise, in Tory circles, people always say, there's always Penny Mordaunt. Yes. And I have no idea. I, I just get the impression that she's gone to every single Conservative Association dinner in the country, eaten a ton of rubber chicken, and just made friends with everyone there. Because in terms of public profile, um, aside from a saucy speech she gave in the Commons once, I really have no idea what the lady has well, done. Well, to be fair, she's done a couple of good speeches, particularly taking on Angela Rayner at the dispatch box. Um, right. She looks good. She's got public recognition because she was on Splash, that diving show with Tom Daly. Oh, is that what it is? Well, right. I don't I mean, that could be that could be undervaluing her um, ministerial attributes. Nadine was in the jungle. Why not Nadine Doris? Well, indeed so. Um, and indeed, maybe Boris will end up in the jungle. I noticed that Ladbrokes has cut the odds to 33 to 1. What do we <laughs> think the Prime Minister does next, Gordon? I mean, if not caretaker, if he, obviously he may stay on. Let's just mm. assume beyond that. Let's look to Christmas and the following year. What happens to Boris Johnson? He doesn't stay on as an MP, does he? I, I doubt it. Um, I, I think, as we all know, uh, he is uh, desperate for money. Uh, he keeps trying to borrow money from people. Um, and uh, he will, I think he'll feel that he needs to go out there and um, cash in on his legacy as quickly as he can. Um, if he leaves it for two years till the next election, then um, you know his value will be slightly lower. So I suspect what he'll do is he'll get on with writing his memoirs, uh, which I think no matter what you think of Boris Johnson, they will sell because they will be fascinating. And he is an extremely good writer, as we know. Yeah. Um, he will presumably finish his Shakespeare book. Uh, and I think he'll spend a lot of time in America uh, doing speeches because I I'm not sure how... Uh, much he will be in demand in this country, given the, the the way that his brand has become tainted. But I think he's still very popular abroad, um, and he is a you know he is a fascinating character who I think always has um, you know has fascinating things to say, whether you whether you uh, agree with him or not. You, you have to agree with that, Tim. I mean, in America, he's, there's a market for him. He's already been described um, a little bit sort of critically as a mini Trump, but can't he flex his muscles out there? Harry did it. It's worked for him. <laughs> I can see Boris getting the other old Etonian, yes. Hey, look, one reason why I've never been rude about him in print is because he could always come back as a columnist. You never know. Uh, so I've always been very careful about that. Um, but I, I, I think Boris Johnson will be a huge success. Uh, he's a fantastic writer, as we all know. He's a very funny, very intelligent, interesting man who's now got three years to talk about. Uh, and we'll go, we're all going to want to know what he's going to say about it. And most prime minister's memoirs, when they come out, are just awful, turgid and unmemorable. His will be hilarious. Well, I think we can guarantee that. And what of the Labour Party now, Gordon? Um, do you think that they'll be fearing um, a new leader? Uh, will they be obviously celebrating um, Boris Johnson's departure? But if they come against, against someone who is more competent and who is able to win over the support of the public, not least by, I suppose, being fiscally dis disciplined in a time of um, economic crisis, then Sir Keir Starmer isn't going to make any more headway, is he? 
Yeah, well, of course, Sir Keir Starmer may not be the Labour leader for much longer if uh, if he gets yeah, fined by, by Durham that? Police. Well, um, all we know is that uh, Durham Police had a meeting recently to discuss the case. Um, they don't have to talk to the CPS about it because um, it's police forces can issue fines um, themselves. Um, it feels as though it's fairly imminent. So I think we will know quite soon what Keir Starmer's fate will be. It would be, of course, supremely ironic if uh, if he ended up going before Boris does, which is, which is possible. Um, but I think, to answer your question, um, yes, I think the best thing possible for Labour would have been for Boris Johnson to carry on because, um, you know, the polling shows that his popularity is, is absolutely at rock bottom and that would have been ideal for Labour going into an election. I think the Tories can only improve their their polling from here um i think as you say if they choose someone who is just competent and and seems to be able to um steer the country on the right path then um uh, you're going to have a, a, a quite an inexperienced labor leader if keir starmer goes um and if keir starmer stays as we know his popularity is not is not great um, no. even with even among labor voters a lot of them uh most of them i think say that they don't still don't know what he stands for so yeah i don't think this is good news for labor tim I'm going to put this to you. Could Dominic Raab be the answer in the interim here? No. Why not? He's deputy PM. I, I can't accept old fists of fury as the next prime minister. I, I, I but he is, he is deputy PM and therefore if yeah. the party won't mm. accept Boris Johnson as caretaker, naturally the role does fall in his hands, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. It does. But of course, the, the history of people being deputy PMs and then going on to be PMs is it doesn't really tend to happen. In fact, it's usually the caretaker role is a bit of an albatross around their neck. I mean, look, I, if if Keir Starmer ends up going, by the way, it'll mean that both leaders are brought, brought down by tawdry things, by mm. silly small things. Cake one, and curry. One brought down by a Tory MP with wandering hands, the other one by a pint and a curry, which is just ridiculous. And I, I think it says something about politics that this hasn't been decided by the people, hasn't been decided at the ballot box. It's been decided instead within Parliament on off the back of a scandal. And of course, uh, if, if Keir goes, the complaint against him has always been that he's too boring. If Boris goes, the complaint is against him is he's too interesting. Yes. I'm never quite sure what the British electorate want. No. Uh, <laughs> Halfway between. But sorry, let's just go back to Dominic Raab, because I'm surprised by that reaction, because he is a low-tax Tory. He's tough on law and order. He wrote that 2012 pamphlet, Britannia Unchained, which was all about unleashing Britain's potential. Um, surely this is a candidate that could be music to the ears of the right. There's not a good vibe around him. It's a, people are not uh, people aren't warm about Dominic Raab. He, no. he doesn't he doesn't excite them. And he, he, I, I'm, I think I think the wink the the awkward wink at Angela Rayner uh, was was an insight into how he is perceived. Right. And of, and of course, there is no such thing as a caretaker prime minister. You are the prime minister. Um, you, you know, you, you can't be you know, a part prime minister. So the problem is, if, if he did take the job, um, it, it might be quite hard to get him out of the job once he's in. And I think yes. that people who the party uh, members who, who don't ultimately want him to be the, the long term prime minister might be very wary of that. Let's just yeah. have a quick chat about Liz Truss. Where, where do you think her chances lie at the moment, Tim? Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I, I really have no idea. And, and given that no one could have predicted the last 72 hours, I'm, I, I'm very reluctant to say. I, 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 her stature was raised by Ukraine, but then she was eclipsed by Ben Wallace. Um, all, all, all I would add is I, I'm not convinced that it needs to be a Brexiteer as the next leader. Ah. Uh, partly because, uh, don't forget, the whole point of this week from Labour's point of view was it's supposed to be the week in which Labour endorsed Brexit. There is a sense that the country's moving on and the Tory party's moving on. I know, but then you've got the threat from Lord Heseltine 
well, if Boris goes, so does Brexit. There's going to be lots of people agitating at the sidelines to now think, use this as an excuse to reverse the referendum. I think cool heads within the Tory party know he's an irrelevant old man uh, who just who just st- st- sits by his computer 24-7 hoping that someone will interview him so he can slag off Boris Johnson. I don't, I don't, the, the, the idea that that matters, it doesn't matter. Um, and, I, and I think people are now thinking about Ukraine and most importantly, the cost of living. The big issue in this election is going to be tax. It's going to be a contest to propose to promise the lowest taxes possible. And that's what will win a candidate is their position on economics. Um, Gordon, finally, let's just reflect on um, Boris Johnson's premiership. It's extraordinary, really, to think that the man who was elected with the Conservatives' big, biggest mandate in 40 years is now going to have one of the shortest tenures of a prime minister in modern history. Where did it go right for him and where did it go wrong, do you think? Well, <clears throat> two things went right for him. Um, well, p- possibly three. So um, uh, Brexit went right for him. Um, you know, let's remember that he wasn't really seen as being um, a prime ministerial candidate until um, Brexit became uh, a, um, in, you know, was in stasis and Theresa May was unable to, to, to do anything. They had to bring in a, a staunch Brexiteer to get that done. He did get it done. He got a lot of credit for that. Uh, we then had covid which um, uh, I think overall um, was was a very good. He had a very good war uh, with COVID, um, especially because of the vaccine program, and he got a lot of credit for that. Uh, and then we've had Ukraine, um, where he has obviously sort of led the field internationally in terms of helping Ukraine, in terms of uh, you know getting arms to them. I think Ukraine has described him as their number one uh, ally internationally. So on those three big things, he's um, he's had a, a very good. Um, premiership. But um, the the problem is that there hasn't really been a lot of direction in terms of domestic policy. Um, There hasn't been much evidence of him getting things done that were in the manifesto. Um, Obviously, he will argue that that's partly because of all the problems that that have been caused by um, COVID in particular. Um, But I think once COVID was out of the way, it started to become become obvious that there wasn't much direction. Um, And that's part of the reason that uh, he's ended up where he is. But as as Tim said, ironically, um, none of this uh, has happened because of poor policy judgments or because of the sort of schisms in the Tory party over Europe or other policies we've seen in the past. It's all it's all happened because of his personal behaviour. Yes. I think it's no coincidence that uh, for several years, the Labour Party was led by a man who was opposed by almost the entire parliamentary Labour Party, that Jeremy Corbyn had to go through two leadership elections, uh, nearly won an election, did very well, and then was actually booted out. My point is, there's chaos on the left, and there's chaos on the right. And the reason for that is because politics in this country is changing. People's values and views are changing. They're shifting as a constituency. And the two main parties are struggling to keep up with that and to represent that. Jeremy Corbyn, for all his faults, represented a new constituency of disaffected youth. Boris Johnson, for all his faults, represented a new constituency of people like me, um, who who would never normally, would, would not previously probably have voted Conservative, but were drawn to Brexit and drawn to its patriotic themes. Um, and those two constituencies have struggled to be represented and included in the main parties. The main parties are still trying to cling on to power and do things the way they used to do. And maybe they can. Maybe we're going to see now a reversal. I fear we are going to see a reversal to politics as normal. Uh, Keir Starmer versus um, Rishi Sunak, say, would be like Heath versus Wilson. It's an old-fashioned centrist left-right contrast. But for a brief shining moment, politics in this country was really interesting when we had a choice between a conservative populist, Boris Johnson, 
and Jeremy Corbyn, a genuine democratic socialist. And I'm sure I, I, I suspect we won't be given that kind of real choice for a very long time. Well, finally, Gordon, don't you agree with that? I mean, quite a lot of the feelings today, I think, were around a missed opportunity for mm. Boris Johnson to be elected uh, with such a stonking majority, with all of the promise that Tim's just spoken about. And it's been squandered. Yeah, um, I mean, Boris is a is a classicist, and he probably feels this is a bit of a Greek tragedy, isn't it? It's it's a it's a man who had um, the world at his feet, um, but uh, he ended up being brought down by flaws in his personality, and uh, it's a story that uh, has been repeated through history. Um, uh, you know, I'm surprised he didn't see it coming. Well, that's all for this week, listeners. I'd love to know your thoughts on what our guests have said today. You can email us on chopperspolitics at telegraph.co.uk or on Twitter, we're at chopperspodcast. Thank you to our contributors, Gordon Rayner and Tim Stanley, and to the producers, Giles Gear and Louisa Wells. And most of all, thank you to you for listening. We wish Chopper all the very best in his COVID-induced, hosp- <laughs> his COVID-induced, not hospital bed, but bed at home. And finally, of course, always buy a copy of the Daily Telegraph if you can. You won't regret it. Until next time, as Chopper would say, cheerio.